This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Comes to Veneers, centers for Everly. He couldn't get a shot away. Suter filled the lane. Now Schultz drives to the right point. He scores! It's the defenseman's responsibility to cut off the other half. As he makes another great save on the goal line. Rebound, they score! Jordan Everly in front. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. Back to Hirona, trying to pass into the slot. McCann breaks it up, shoots for the empty net. He missed. But the rebound comes up for Everly. He scores. Jordan Everly scores his second of the game into a yawning cage, and Seattle makes it 5 to 2 with 2.09 left in the game. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks sleepy in Seattle, losing 5-2 against the Kraken. Tough game, not much energy coming up, coming up short in pretty much every area tonight. Outplayed by the Kraken, had a hard time generating much offense, losing 5-2. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show, presented by the number five Orange Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. We are going to bring in Randy Janda into the conversation in just a moment. You can grab a phone line 604-280 or zero one triple eight. Man, I'm falling apart. That's like the Canucks in Seattle today. Just can't do it. 604-280-0650-188-275-0650-650-650 Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox. So, you know, it's, it's just kind of like emanating through the TV screens watching this oh game. Just my. completely falling apart at the seams. And Tenth uh, game or uh, uh, tenth post game in, in 16 nights for, for Sat Shaw as well. Yeah. Uh, the Canucks staples didn't keep them together, and I'm also coming apart uh, at the seams <laughs> here. Uh, but, I mean, it, it, it's, it's one of those things, too for the game today. We're going to bring Randy in, in, into the conversation in a moment, but at no point outside the first like 10 minutes were they really in this game. Like they just no. they just were coming up short in every single area. And you wonder too if like the early goal would give you a bit of boost of energy, but it almost feels like it, it, it sucked the life out of them. <laughs> yeah. And you know, they got the power play thereafter too or the, the yeah, the power play thereafter and you know, you lose the opening draw, and then Besser misses this drop pass, and then like a silly penalty from Lindholm, and they never really recovered from that. Yeah, they, they just really couldn't. And even at points where where they should have gotten energy, I mean, Garland fighting now, he got filled by Tana, but still he drops the gloves. Zero energy coming off of that lucky bounce. They get no energy off of it when Lafferty scores. Get a power play opportunity. It zaps their energy more than anything else. And at no point do they really feel like they could get, they could get back into it again. All right, uh, let's re- welcome in Randeep Janda into the conversation. And Randeep, I mean, uh, you might be on top of it better than any of us at this point. Yeah, boys, I don't know about that. I'm coming uh, apart from the seams as well based on that. Uh, <laughs> no, sad, it's all good, man. Uh, this, was, this was an interesting one, right, where... Uh, you're looking at getting a response from this team. And what was one of the things we talked about? Rick Tockett mentioned it as well. Hey, I've been happy with the five-on-five play of this team. Uh, tonight, you didn't get that either. The power play takes away confidence. But, boys, 21 shots on goal when halfway through this game, you're down. You expect score effects. You expect the team uh, to to really push it and just didn't see that. It was um disjointed effort by this team, five-on-five five and on the power play. Yeah, the the thing that uh, you know is, is frustrating is that is they never really pushed back after you know the the the, the, com- the couple of moments where they tied it up, and you think you know, three nothing down, are, are are you gonna have a bit of pace? But it, it never happened. No, it didn't. And I think there's a couple of things here when you're looking at early on in this game, even after J T. Miller ends up scoring that goal, 
Uh, it's a situation where just lack of execution today, boys. Uh, you talked about the staples. Yeah, there's a lot of chasing going on in the defensive zone. You know, protecting the middle of the ice is one thing. Uh, we were seeing defensemen, you know, two on one side, chasing forwards to the opposite side, leaving the back post free. Uh, there's other situations where just the passing, uh, whether it was Philip Hronick, whether it was Quinn Hughes, a lot of pucks and skates tonight. It was not sharp. And, you know, moments like that, whether it's five on five or on the power play, we saw a lot of that as well. You can have Philip Hronick on the power play, but if you're not able to get the puck to him cleanly or if he can't take it cleanly, you're not going to get the shot off. So, you know, there's really one opportunity where he got the cannon off, and that was a, a six-on-five opportunity late in the game. It was just a, a lack of execution across the board. The execution aspect of it, too, and but also defensively. Like, how many times yeah. were they coming up short on board battles? They weren't protecting the, the rail very well. They're losing guys in front of the net. I mean, Zadorov, uh, you know, skates into Thatcher Demko on the fourth goal uh, that Justin Schultz scores from the point. And it's just a very, very... Uh, sloppy game, but just just not thinking on the ice. I mean, it just seemed like at every turn they were slow processing everything. Yeah, I think that Eberle goal is the one that you want to, like, maybe if you're the coaches, you focus on that one because there's a lot of puck watching going on on that play, right? Zadorov and Noah Juleson, uh, the two defensemen, are basically on, you know, one's in the middle of the ice, the other one's on the right-hand post. And then Teddy Bluger, who is usually very defensively responsible, he's kind of in no-man's land too. So there's three players that are in front of Thatcher Demko, but they're all watching the puck. And Jordan Eberle not only gets the, the first chance, but guys, the second opportunity to score on that, and that's one that's inexcusable because you're essentially saying not only did one player make a mistake, you had two or three making the same mistake on the play, uh, but that was kind of the standard in today's game where the good moments, sure, you get a lucky bounce on that two-on-two goal. You think you're going to get confidence from it. You get Archley Bounce drawing a penalty, um, but what happens there when the game is two-on-two? Rather than taking advantage on the play, uh, they seem to have confidence taken away from them by that power play and there's puck watching and they get outworked really when it comes down to it in the middle of that second period and boys after that it was tough sledding for this team because they weren't able to generate they weren't able to get a four check going and you know I referenced that 21 shots on goal it, there was what four or five shots on goal on the power play so it, it was I think across the board you know there have been conversations about hey the first 40 minutes of the game or the five on five play was good I think this was one of, I think for sure this was one of the, the more disappointing efforts on this road trip. Remember, even the Minnesota game had a good 40 minutes, right? I don't know if you can say that about this game. Yeah, the, the power play too. It'd be one thing if you came up with a new idea and you tried it out for the whole game and it didn't work. And okay, there were maybe some chances there, but they tried different looks throughout the course of this game. And none of them yeah. really gained traction. Yeah, and... You can, as a, you know, as a personnel, you can try shifting. You can try different things. You put Philip Hronick on there. We saw Pew Suter a little bit later on, Connor Garland. There was a, uh, you know, as we say, the Travis Green line blender was out on the power play as well. But, boys, this is a team right now, and I, I go back to power play one, where you've got so many dynamic players, difference makers, and they just need literally a goal to go off somebody's shin right now because right now the vibes are off on that that power play and we saw a lot more of that trying to force pucks through right what Rick I think Rick Chaka was trying to do with this power play was hey get Philip Hronick on there and get him the puck get him in a, a situation where he can you know shoot through guys and whether it was uh, I think it was Wenberg had a block on on the PK 
that was one shot we saw from Philip Ronick. Everything else was just bobbled. Everything else was, you know, trying to force shooting lanes or passing lanes yet again. And it was, you can have a shooter out there who's happy to, you know, a quick trigger, but if you're not taking the puck cleanly, if you're not, you know, passing the puck properly, uh, it's not going to amount to anything. And those details defensively we talked about earlier were off. Offensively, we've seen that on the power play. So it doesn't really matter which personnel you put out there. The details and the execution has been off going back now nine games, boys. Yeah, it's been it's, it's quite the stretch here with all that, right? And, you know, the power play, you know, Jen texted in, can they just decline the power play the next time they get it? That's kind of been uh, the common theme that you hear oftentimes here uh, about what to do on the man advantage. And the other thing uh, that she asked was, why not put the lotto line, line out there? Now, we did see the uh, the coach shorten the bench considerably in the third period. You know, Mikheyev, Oman, and Hoaglander were sta- essentially stapled to the bench in the third. Uh, we'll get to Hoaglander or Mikheyev even more so, who 707 707 tough right and uh, if you could see the stare he gave Mikheyev coming off the ice uh, after the 2-1 goal I think it was yeah it was a 2-1 goal for Seattle when they took the 2-1 lead right after the power play expired and the look he just gave uh, Mikheyev coming off the ice could tell you just about everything he was feeling about it but they did change things up we saw Garland play with Miller and with R.C. Baines for the final few minutes we also saw uh, Besser play with Lindholm and Elias Pettersson but should we see them go back to the lotto line? Somebody else was texting in and saying, you know, they were they were playing 900 hockey with the lotto line, and ever since then, what has their record been? Do they need to go back to that trio, you think? I would like to see it at some point, because you need goals right now, and sure, there's defensive frailties that we saw, but guys, up until the third period, the ozone time was minimal for this team, right? So if you load up your top line, are you able to get a little bit of that back? Are you dominating when, you know, those guys are on the ice? Here's the challenge, though, right? You've got Boston coming to town, which is not exactly a one-line team. I know we've talked a lot about the perfection line over the years, but with Pasternak and Marchand and the way that they play a certain style of team game, uh, you do need a little bit of spread out, you know, kind of balance in the lineup. So I'd like to see the lotto line. I just don't know if that matchup against Boston is the one because their team game is so strong that, of course, Pasternak can beat you and Marchand can beat you, but they've also got contributions from their second and third line. So if you load up, with the lotto line, are you potentially exposing the rest of the lineup? Uh, that's the worry I have in that game. I think moving forward, whether it's Pittsburgh, whether it's other lines, uh, other teams that you're playing against, yeah, I think the lotto line, if you can continue to have this sort of um, you know, lack of ozone time and lack of execution, uh, especially from a you know shots on goal perspective today, shot attempts were low, I would consider it. I just don't think Boston is the right matchup for that because I feel like they can slice and dice you with their second and third line as well. You know, we spent so much time talking about, okay, fixing up the forward lines and, and changing them and optimizing them. People want to see different looks, whatever they are. The defense, Hughes and Ronick is, is a staple, right? Like that's not going anywhere. I, I'd like to see a return to Colin Juleson, to be honest. I, I thought they played together really well. Their number, their underlying numbers look fantastic. And there's this insistence of, of they never go together. Now, Carson Soucy coming back would be a, a great help in that. But right now, the other two D pairings, it, it, it feels like a struggle right now. Yeah, I thought it was a rough night for Zadorov and, and Noah Juleson. I thought Cole uh, that had a rough was, one, too, yeah. Yeah, Cole did, too, right? That, Turnover, that play, yeah. That, that McKayev got the glare. Uh, it was Ian Cole that just kind of played it into the middle of the ice, and you got to be careful with that. But there's a couple other moments later on in that game uh, that, that hurt him. But Zadorov and Juleson, that was uh, a rough game for them. And, you know, I thought Zadorov a couple of games ago, 
uh, against maybe it was Winnipeg played st solid. They're strung together some good games. Noah Juleson has been, you know, pretty consistent going back about a month. But today that pairing, um, yeah, it had a rough one. And here's the thing. When you play predictable hockey, when you are consistent, you're keeping your game simple, um, it's – those, those guys can do their job, but today it was a lot of pressure, a lot of speed, and this is where Seattle's a very challenging team. If you do not protect the puck in the offensive blue line, guys, and there's numerous plays, whether it was Philip Hronick, whether it was Noah Juleson, I think there's two moments where Brock Besser, uh, one puck was in his skates from Quinn Hughes, another one where he's not able to take the puck cleanly, launching the counterattack, and, you know, for that pairing especially of Zadorov and Juleson, if you're going and attacking them in, with speed, that's going to be a challenge. That's going to be a, a serious challenge. And I think this matchup against Seattle is a challenging one. When they're going and they're hitting you with speed, uh, a certain you know defensive pairings and defensive players are going to get hit uh, in transition. But you know you kind of expect that with Seattle style. I think the more worrying thing for the Canucks was when the puck was in their own zone, they weren't able to deny the middle of the ice. And yeah. that's where I look at some of those defensemen to say, yeah, that's that's supposed to be your forte. That's where you're supposed to stick to your principles and your staples. Uh, they were they were not doing that, and that's the forwards as well because it's their you know responsibility to protect the rail. But guys, yeah, there's there was a uh, some challenges for a couple of defensive pairings, and I I just didn't think this was a good matchup for the Canucks tonight when you're not managing the puck well. Uh, the defensemen are going to look bad because they're coming back with speed and attacking you with speed. And that was across the board. I, I thought it was a, a pretty difficult night for all defensemen. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody really had a strong night. I mean, Arshdeep, probably the one guy that we felt good about with his game because, yeah. you know, a rookie player coming in, no expectations, and, you know, working very hard out there. But uh, what about the fatigue factor? And we have a lot of people texting in. Carl in Calgary says, Canucks look out of gas. Yes, some players are not playing well. 9 of 11 on the road will do that. So back home for a two-game homestand and back on the road again. No team has had a worse schedule, Carl. That's Carl in Calgary talking about the schedule. And, un and undoubtedly, the fatigue plays a factor and all that. But one thing the coach talks a lot about is playing tired, being able to fight through it. And when you've lost three games in a row, I was expecting a, a smarter effort than the one they had. I can understand not having energy. One of the things I just I can't get behind was just how lackadaisical they seemed throughout large portions of this game. And it's like, I'm fine with you not having and losing, but kind of go down on your sword. And what was it in the third? They had one shot until they got to the final nine minutes of the third period. Like it just didn't have much of a push at all tonight. And what is the, you know, the coach said, when you are tired, you have to stick to your staples, right? You have to stick to what you do best and you have to, to ensure that you stick to your system. And I can understand the fatigue argument because that's real, right? This is a grind of a season. Uh, it hasn't been a good stretch. But, guys, this is where they've been trying to uh, download this information to say, hey, when you are playing tired, you have to play it smart. You have to make sure you're not chasing out of your position and you're not compounding mistakes. And in that second period, that's exactly what we saw. So a couple of things here. Uh, the fatigue can play a factor. You gotta you gotta stick to what you've been taught and what you've been playing and what you've excelled at. Remember, this is a team that you know has been in the top three when it comes to goals against, and now that's taken a bit of a hit. They've gone down to to sixth. But you know the other thing is, and I think this is a valid thing, where lack of practice time, you're not able to refine and and improve things as you go. So they're coming back to Vancouver. They're gonna have some practice time here. So over the next little bit, you have a chance to improve. But one of the things that this team is going to have to kind of sharpen is when you're tired, you got to rely on what you know, your structure, because that's the name of the game in the playoffs. You don't have that much practice time. You're playing every other day, 
and you're going to have to rely on what you know as a team and what you've really leaned on throughout the year. And the Canucks did a good job of that early on, boys, but this is a stretch right now that is testing their limits, and it's something that every team has to go through. I think adversity is a good thing, but, yeah, there are some cracks showing here that they have to fill pretty quick. Well, tomorrow's going to be really interesting then because there's the early game or earlier, 4 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, so you're probably not going to do a, a morning skate, and Rick Tockett, you know, is not a – general fan of morning skates in general so is tomorrow a practice opportunity you get the days off uh, Sunday and Monday before Pittsburgh I, I'd be curious what they uh, wind up doing tomorrow yeah I would expect to practice tomorrow and I think with the the way that the the lack of practice time you've got some new bodies and you mentioned Arshby Vance like I thought he played well again he had the battle level but this is still a guy that hasn't practiced with the team and just refining those details you've got a team in Boston that's coming to town uh, they lost to Calgary tonight which I'm sure they're not happy about outside the Vancouver game. Um, and, of course, the Edmonton game, which was probably one of the games of the year uh, last night. They haven't played all that well. So, you know, this is going to be another motivated Boston. Remember, they ended up losing the game before uh, playing Vancouver last time out. So I would expect the Canucks to practice and, and, you know, get a skate in and refine some of those details. And I would not be surprised if they're working on the power play again because that's an area of focus right now that's been killing them in games, boys. Yeah, it certainly has been. And Randy, great stuff calling the game alongside Brendan Bachelor. And uh, we'll see how the homestand goes. The Canucks, couple of games at home, they'll be at, back on the road again. But coming up in March, there'll be a lot of home games. So we'll see if they tighten the ship up here coming up soon. What's the uh, what's the saying, boys? Pressure meets pressure. Yes. Uh, pressure makes diamonds. This is uh, one of those those situations where it <laughs> hasn't been good, uh, but. It's still a, a long stretch here where you're in a good position as a team in terms of the standings, and you gotta you gotta refine, you gotta get better, and this is a situation where it doesn't get any easier when you're making the playoffs. It's high pressure situations, and this is a team that's uh, learning that this is the style that a lot of teams are gonna play. For remember, Seattle, this is like Game Seven to them. Minnesota, that was like Game Seven to mm-hmm. them. Uh, you gotta match that energy. You gotta match that level. Yeah, you absolutely have to, and uh, we'll see ultimately how the rest of this goes. Great stuff, Randy. Cheers, boys. Uh, that is Randy Janda breaking the game down here. Canucks lose 5-2 against the Seattle Kraken. You can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. You can also get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Um, man, we have a lot of stuff here coming in on the text inbox, a lot of comments and, and a lot of thoughts. Um, where do you want to start here, Vic? Uh, in the inbox? Yes. 650-650. Chris in Vancouver, uh, not a team game tonight. Too many individual uh, efforts, perennial sign of anxiety for this group, uh, perfectly typified by Heronix play in particular. How is t- How does this team get back to working as a unit? I, I do think they'll clean it up, right? It- it's. I wanted to see a better effort, right, given the losses. And it, it's fair to question all of that. I do think it's also fair to mention like the the travel and the this many games in this many different cities. It was it was going to be a challenging stretch, and the back end of this has not been good enough. But you'll see a t- a rested and rejuvenated team through stretches in March, and I think we'll 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 reset ourselves then. But certainly, like the moments in tonight were certainly not good enough. No, and and there was never. Outside of the game, like the first 10, 8, 10 minutes, it, it was never in in doubt that Seattle was going to take this game. They they kept torquing it up at different parts, and even when you get a lucky bounce and a fight, it, it, it 
the energy was never set to pop. And I'm trying not to take too much out of this game just because, you know, the phrase we use in the second intermission was disengaged. When it persists that long, it, there wasn't functional, structural reasons they lost. To me, it was focus. Yeah, I mean, focus, not having enough energy. And I can handle sometimes, hey, you don't have the energy. And like mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be tired. Those things are going to happen. But it's how you play through it. And tonight, that, that battle wasn't there. I turned to you, and they were down two goals in the third. And I said, they may as well be down 10. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it doesn't feel like they're going to make any sort of real push to get back. And, you know, they pulled the goalie. They had a bit of a push in the final seven, eight minutes. But, you know, no, no real quality chances still to the degree that you would want to generate when you're desperate trying to get that goal. Uh, a lot of reaction on text in inbox, 650, 650. Uh, there was one I wanted to read from Hal, because Hal texted in earlier, and... Uh, was complaining that we don't read his text enough, and I'm like, we're trying I'm to get to, we're, we're trying sorry, to get to as many. I know, we're, we're I, really I apologize. Yeah. But one thing he mentioned was he thought that man, we steal his takes when he texts in, and he's like, you didn't read my text, but you stole the take later. It's like, well, uh, and I can't find your text because honestly, there's so many texts. I try to search, I can't find your text. But basically, one of the things he was saying is the fit for Lindholm doesn't seem to be right. He played with Goudreau and Kachuk in, mm-hmm. in, in Calgary. Would the fit not be better to make it work with Besser and JT Miller, for instance? And a lot of other people texting in about um, uh, Elias Lindholm. Gary from North Shore says, the trade's not working. you got to trade Lindholm now, and it's not happening. And there's a lot of consternation around Lindholm, his fit on the team. It's clear the fit's not working yet. It doesn't mean it won't work. Mm-hmm. Again, the reason they went out and made this trade early was to give themselves time to figure it out and get them up to speed before the playoffs. Work through the growing pains. But to Hal's point, just so he doesn't accuse us of stealing his take, to Hal's point, playing is the right fit with him and Pedersen, or do they need to work some, something different with him? I mean, they still have time to figure it out, but they tried it with JT, now back with Pedersen again. You want to give it some runway here, but the returns were not very good again tonight. No, they weren't. And and the, the moments where like they did connect on passes, it was so uninspiring. The it, it was in parts of the ice where yeah. it, it still looked like another two plays had to be made, another pass, another pass, and maybe the next person is the third person is ready to, to be put in a spot. Like they, they had a couple of nice connections in the corner. One pass where it got Lindholm the puck in the high slot, but he's skating towards the blue line and has to loop around. It's stuff like that. It's, it's it's nice that you're you're finding each other, but are you threatening the goal? Mm-hmm. And my, my worry was always like the the thing that I wanted to see with the acquisition was, are you getting a a, a winger for Elias Pettersson that can score goals? And like a, a big thing is work away from the puck, someone to to, to manipulate space and find find spots, soft spots that Pettersson will find you the puck. Yeah. And then be a, a very good shooter. Lindholm's really good in tight spaces. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's really good in front of the net. And he can find spots. And he battles along the boards. He retrieves. He does all those things. But they're still missing, like, the, the natural goal scorer next to Elias Pettersson. Lindholm can score goals in front of the net. But I, I still want, like, the the true sniper. And, and sniper, we always just reference... The accuracy, like someone gets a puck, he snipes it in. The accuracy is so good. You know what also snipers do? Hide in plain sight, right? Like, find the space. Are you, are you, are you, are you describing a player who poached some nice goals with the Canucks when he played here a few years back? 
that's just the profile I want. I've I've talked about Tyler Toffoli a lot, yeah. obviously, but like that's the profile of player that should play next to Elias Pettersson. And Nils Hoglander does a nice cameo appearance for a stretch here, and he, he scored some goals, and you can see they do have a connection as well. He but, got stapled in the third. But he's not like the the, the pure goal scorer. No, he, he's, no. He's scoring goals, but it's like it's tip-ins, it's rebounds, it's the part of the net. I want someone that works like off of Pedersen. Uh, okay, you're right. I, and I think with but Lindholm, still a good player, probably. And I th- like, I st- he's still a real and player. And I still think with Pedersen, it can work. You just give it some time. We'll see if it does work. My only concern with if you put Lindholm with Besser and with Miller, like who's playing with Pedersen? Yeah, you haven't solved the problem, right? Like that's that's the thing. It's like now all of a sudden. But the other part is, it's like you mentioned Kachuk and Goudreau. Yeah, so Lindholm's the third guy. So you go and make this trade, and you want him to be the exceptional tertiary guy, but you still need the secondary guy. Like, Lindholm at his best, and he was fantastic that year with Kachuk and Goudreau. Yeah. But he's the third guy. Yeah, no, he is. Sounding like the NWO here. Who's the (laughs) third guy? Who's the second guy right now? We got Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Who's the third guy on yeah. this line right now? And, and you need someone at least just to be a shooter. Like, the, the, that line doesn't look like it's going to score goals. No, not right now it doesn't. Uh, some struggles there from the Vancouver Canucks. A lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650, 650. Uh, this text here says, what's soft and can't handle adversity? The answer is a Canucks fan. That's what the text says, not me. I'm just reading the text message. So uh, a lot of shots being fired in all, every direction. Everyone's catching the straight. We'll, we'll read them. We'll, 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 read them. Get to more, we'll get to more of your text coming up in a moment. But let's take a phone call, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And let's go to Surrey uh, where we have Raj on the line. Raj, uh, what are your thoughts here tonight? Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, I'm um, doing I'm great. Wondering... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. Um so I called during the Minnesota Wild game. I said they might go on a five-game losing skid. So now they're pretty close to going on a five-game losing skid. They've been phenomenally this season, so they deserve a five-game losing skid. And we do live the further. We travel the most for any NHL team. So fatigue is going to set in. But let me give you some examples of why I think we're going wrong. I do think Lindholm is not contributing as often as he should, but he does take over games. There's two games where he scored twice basically won us those games with his goal-scoring power. So he is a shooter for sure. He just needs to heat up with us. And the biggest thing that I watch why we're failing nowadays is we, when we're in the offensive zone on the power play or just in general, we play the puck too high. But the jig is up. Teams realize that we're passing the puck across the blue line back and forth, and now teams are suffocating our defense. You see it in Noah Juleson. He gives it away at the blue line. Uh, you'll see it in the other defense pairing with Myers. They start to give it away at the blue line. The teams are becoming weary of our play style, how we like to shoot it from the blue line and control the puck there. Quinn Hughes, he can do it all day long. But we're just getting suffocated over there, and our offense is just not working. We're not getting pucks to the net. We get blocked, or we're giving turnovers. The Canucks really have to change the style of offense. They need to play more down low. On the power play, if they play down low, they'll get some of those goals because right now shots from the point aren't working. That's about it, guys. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for the phone call. That is Raj and Suri calling in a bit fired up. And, hey, listen. Uh, I, I agree with some of that. Some we, of the stuff is not unfair. Uh, we, we've, we've spoken a lot about the evolution of what it's going to look like, right? In, in, in October, November, there was a lot of concern. I was like, all right, where is it going to come? Then you started to see some change, and it was the Bluger, Garland, uh, Joshua line kind of at the, the, the front of that change. And it, even here recently, like 
the last couple of games, like Suter has a couple of rebounds. If yeah. he buries, it's a different story. Betzer's had a rebound. If he buries, it's a different story. And they, they want to generate offense that way. Mm-hmm. And they, they've found different ways to try to create it. Not so much tonight. Um, and, and it wasn't there. But like that's the way this team is going to play. And it, it's it's frustrating, I, I imagine, because you know here's Raj texting or calling in. He's like, more zone time, more cycle. And, and and more down low play, but you know they're, they're almost by design trying to create shots from the half walls and and from further away for those rebound opportunities. Yeah, and and this text echoes something similar. How about talk quits Galaxy braining the power play already? Lindholm net front, Miller half wall, Petey right wall, Besser bumper, and Hughes point. Enough of this crap is what one text message says. And as far as the head coach is concerned. Um, I don't think he's going to be too happy with uh, what he saw here from his Vancouver Canucks in Seattle against the Kraken. Canucks lose their fourth straight game, and they had to 1-0 lead in this game. JT Miller scored to make it 1-0. So they had a lead in the last four games, too. Yeah, they, they've had leads. Yeah, They've had leads. They haven't been able to hold on to those leads, and that's been a big problem, something they were doing very well earlier this season. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, should we... I'm curious to see what Tockett says. But okay. should we air? Remember last year when oh. when he arrived on the scene six one against Seattle? He called it soft. Well, he, he said the soft. Yeah. Didn't want to call it soft. But he called. He's like, I don't want to call it soft. But yeah. that's pretty soft. And he's, he's like just trying to figure out who these guys are. I'm curious how similar they are. We we should air them back to back. And see Which one do you think is going to be more critical, this one or that one? <laughs> I think this one might be close. All right, we, we are going to hear from the head coach, Rick Tockett, as the Canuck Central postgame show continues. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar, and it is presented by the number 5 Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports, too. More coming up next on the Home Year Canuck, Sportsnet 650. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Alex Wenberg with speed to the Vancouver line. Dumps it right corner. Burkowski after it. Ian Cole there too. Battle ensues. Cole takes a free turn. It over to McCann in the slot. He scores! An ill-advised clearance by Ian Cole lands right on the tape of Jared McCann, who scores his team-leading 25th of the season, and the Kraken lead 2-1. And this has been a, a bit of a trend here for the Vancouver Canucks through this game. Unable to clear the puck cleanly, Ian Cole battling the corner to win the puck. Trying his best, and he does end up winning the puck as he makes a strong play, but centers it right to Jared McCann. That's the wrong player, and he turns around and fires at top corner glove side. His ninth power play goal of the season, and unfortunately for Ian Cole, is a perfect pass to the opposition. Jared McCann does what he's done in the past against the Vancouver Canucks, and that is make them pay, and that is your play of the game. Seattle Kraken beating the Vancouver Canucks 5-2 in Seattle. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free 1-888-275-0650. And... You know, we are going to get to some of your thoughts here on the text inbox and the, and the phone boards. We are going to get to uh, the thoughts of the Canucks head coach, Rick Tockett, blistering post game. That'll come up, come up in just a moment. But uh, it was one of those games we were talking about what was the play of the game coming in. 
none of the goals are really beautiful goals. Maybe Jared McCann, the Radio. way he took that pass from Ian Cole, who's trying to clear it on the power play, and the way he kind of attacked downhill and sniped it past Demko is probably the nicest play. Everything else was kind of greasy and ugly for the most part tonight. It looked like a playoff game. Yeah, it really did. Um, it's my, my work. Oh, there we, oh, there we go. go. Oh, okay. There we go. He's back on. Yeah. He's back on. Sure. Look at the accountability behind the right glass away. There. That right was amazing away. by Eddie. Yeah, he's taking accountability. No. That was a no show for a moment, but I showed up a split <laughs> second later. If you know yeah. what I mean. No show. Are, are you uh, f- are, are you foreshadowing something the head coach may have been talking about here, Eddie? Maybe. 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 Uh, all right, we'll that may not be the best of the bunch. Uh, mm. sh- all right, should we read some text here? You get a couple texts then. Uh, right, sorry, I, I meant to talk about what you, what you just said. Well, there. the goal, yeah, uh, it was the goal. A, that was probably nice because it's the nicest shot in the yeah. game. That's that's why it gets a goal of the game. You know, the 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 Canucks two goals. One was a lucky bounce off Lafferty. Yeah. You know, Miller jams it in at the net front. The entire shift on the Miller goal was nice, but the actual goal itself no, wasn't yeah. so nice. Um, yeah, the nice nicest finish goal. was the McCann shot. Yeah, far and away. Yeah, play the game. Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, they go on to win five two over your Vancouver Canucks. And we'll get to the text messages, Bick. But I do think we have to get to the thoughts of the Canucks head coach. Here is Rick Tockett fuming after a 5-2 loss in Seattle. Here he is. A lot of no-shows tonight. Do you think fatigue is a factor? I don't know. Listen, I know that we, we call this going to be a tough stretch, but you can't give in to its fatigue. You can't. you got to play smarter. Um, you know, you just got to do, you gotta do things smarter. There's what do you need to do to get that effort? Just play smart and compete. No, not X and O's. They came up with loose pucks. We didn't. I mean, you guys saw it. I mean, there's nothing, you know, analyze it. There's nothing really to say. You so often talk about being connected. Yeah. Can you tell early in a game when you don't have it? Yeah. Well, when it, I thought the first 10, I thought we were fine, and then all of a sudden it was comedy of errors where guys were missing pucks and things like that. And then obviously we don't get the clear in the PK, and then it just started to unravel. We had some guys trying, but some guys were just had a tough time tonight. Had a tough time. Is this a point that you're happy that you've got some practice time now coming up at home to kind of reset? Well, we got to play against Boston at four o'clock, so I don't know how much practice time we're gonna. Yeah, I would love to practice for a week right now, but we can't. This is a, this is a stretch that we knew, so we need some guys to buckle up, change a few things, maybe off the ice, get some rest, and. Uh, because, you know, this is, I mean, this is not even close to, like, playoff hockey. I mean, they, 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 try, they were desperate, but if these guys think playoff hockey is that, then we're in trouble. There's been a couple of games here where we need some guys to get going. Um, you know, I don't care what our record is. It's just been, you know, it's been a little bit disturbing, uh, some of the efforts from some of the guys right now. Right now. Ely McCann barely played. I don't know if he's one of those guys you're talking about, but where are you with him right now? I don't want to go through individual guys. I mean, they didn't play because I felt, you know, I thought there's a couple of things, you know. I'm just looking for some guys to get going, you know. Got to get going. Like nobody on the power play actually wants the puck. Yeah. Yep. So what you, you tried Ronick, or you put Ronick there, and I think the idea was to try to get uh, a lot of shots and. You didn't get many. What, what do you? Well, our execution, like every, everybody's talking about, play. it's not about plays. We, we have chances to attack when we have people in front and we defer not to shoot the puck. And then when you shoot the puck, we're not coming up with loose pucks. So everybody wants, the PKs now are aggressive. So when you beat an aggressive PK, you got to have the 
whatever the word is, to take the puck, whatever, whether it's a shot. You guys talk about this talent. talent. Talent doesn't do anything if you don't work hard. You got to work hard. The best power plays work hard, and we're not really working hard, to be honest with you. Kill two. Um, Our clears were awful tonight. We had three times to get the puck down. We didn't get it down. So, you know, like I said, you know, four-game losing streak, and it's like every keeps saying a good thing, adversity, but, you know, we got to start to pick it up here. And we guys got to understand that when the puck comes on our rim, we have a technique to do it, and you have to have the BALS to, to, to get the puck out. You can't just go in soft, and you can't ice pucks on a rim. Like, you got to be able to, you know, there's a reason we practice and we talk about technique and things like that. And then when the pressure hits, you got to, you know, those are where the reps that come into play. It shouldn't be foreign to you when pressure hits. Um, and we, some things in our staples are foreign to us right now. You know, chipping the body, maybe talking a little bit, hey, heads up, time, pocket. Nobody wants to make a call. So right now we're in that rut. And, you know, i got to find answers to this team. You haven't lost very often this season. Sure. But when you have, it's very rarely looked like that. Yeah. How do you hope your club responds on Saturday? Well, yeah, I mean, you're looking for... It's not just leadership. You're looking for everybody. You know, I don't care who you are. Just worry about your game. You know, everybody's capable of doing things, but are we willing to do it? Right now, there's some games there, and I don't want to, like I said, I thought we played good in Colorado. Minnesota, you know, whatever, five, four, three on twos, whatever, three on five on threes. Um, so it's not been horrible. I don't want to go crazy because of this game. But we've had some four or five guys have no-shows here at four or five games. they got to pick it up. they got to do something. You have to. You can't just sit the bench and, and do nothing. Uh, that is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-2 loss against the Kraken. And a lot of criticism. Four or five no-shows. Um, have to have the B.A. LLS. The to... rejected Gwen Stefani song. Yeah. <laughs> B A L A L S. No, it just doesn't work, right? Doesn't There's no work. beat to it. Doesn't and uh yeah. So uh yeah, it says you gotta have the balls to go to the to the to the rail to get along the boards on the rim to win the pucks and he he was not mincing words. He didn't want to name players. He was asked about Mikheyev. Uh, he essentially said some guys have to pick it up, doesn't want to name anybody. Uh but more or less said he didn't play for a reason in the third period. There's a reason he only had one shift. In mm-hmm. And uh, there there weren't many words he minced there, Beck. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> the text came in here uh, from Rob and Courtney. Honeymoon is over. Time mm-hmm. to see emotion from Tockett. Heads need to roll behind the bench. Uh, uh, some emotion is needed as well. So you got it there tonight, Rob. Yeah, and uh, William and Langley says, do you think the Canucks players are out of staples? I mean, and <laughs> what he mentioned, Tockett, was like the, their staples were foreign to them. Yeah. And you're right. Rob asked. He got the blistering mm-hmm. response. And it was very evident watching this game. It wasn't a staples game. Like they were no. coming up short in the battles in front of the net. They were losing. It, it was everything. It was the antithesis of what they've done well as a team. And you know those things just drive a coach wild. And look, there's the physical stuff that that we've mentioned, like losing some battles. But they were just slow to process and, and get on top of yeah. plays. Not even just on four checks when you're slow to to be there in time and the other team breaks out easily. Like even on plays that were chipped in, Seattle would get to the puck first. And they would just be, you know, leave it for the next guy. Well, well, the second player coming in for Seattle was just swooping in, yeah. uncontested, and able to come out of the corner clean. 
and nobody was tight to players and you know you when you talk about staples you know you're mentioning you know positioning are you are you positioned your body correctly to find what the next thread is going to be all that stuff was so gone from their game tonight and yeah they got ran over by uh by Seattle yeah they they really did and that's just something that I don't think the coach can find acceptable mm-hmm. at all right and and as far as the coach himself he said you know he's got to find some answers that's on him you know the mm-hmm. four or five guys weren't ready he's the guy that has to get them ready he didn't do it uh, you know Travis from Chilliwack texted and says there's a better chance to connect score on the power play than you guys reading my text on here so we yeah no it's actually the other way around we made sure to get your text message in but the other thing he mentions is oh, t- there's so many texts. I know I know I get it though I we're, get it we're very sorry when we can't get I know but I, I, I try, we try to do our yeah. best uh, this one here let me see if I can find it I just lost it again this one says Talkett has been missing Mix, missing the lines up so much. I understand looking for a spark, but Travis Green was quick to do that as well. And I feel it's constantly messing any form of chemistry with the players. That's Travis and Chilliwack again. And I think it's a fair point to ask, you know, can, what is a coach doing to help? He took some responsibility mm-hmm. himself saying, hey, we have to be better. And I have to do a better job getting them ready to play. But what he just mentioned, there are four or five guys not bringing it. And when that happens, like what are his options in terms of like, yeah. You know, who else do you go to? And do you want to keep guys together? Because Hoaglander tonight, there was a reason he got stapled in the third. And his game, the last game, wasn't quite where it needed to be. And I know people want, you know, even Pedersen to be held accountable. The reality is when you're fifth in league scoring and you have a couple bad games and a bad stretch, you're not going to get a healthy scratch. It's just not going to happen. But the other guys, they will want more from. And So you say Pedersen? Yeah. Oh, okay. I understand, but like he's also got like four points in four games. And look, I I know that's not. I'm enough, not saying he's gonna be healthy scratch like, though. Yeah, yeah, be, like, I mean, Pedersen's not gonna. My point but, is, Pedersen's but at not the very least, there's a bottom line at sometimes. Yes, yes, yes. But he's not gonna be healthy scratch. Mm-hmm. Obviously, other guys. But I think the the problem is when you don't have enough guys going, he has to mix the lines up. I don't think it's a situation he wants to do. He's spoken about this before that he, he wants, wants chemistry. He right wants now. chemistry. Yeah. He wants guys to stay together. But if you're not getting performances, what are you supposed to do? Uh, we were asking things you want to see if someone's Patterson on some someone on Patterson's line, and I was mentioning you know a, a natural goal scoring winger and Isaac from Chilliwack. PD needs a goal scoring winger. Where can we find one? I know Brock Besser. <laughs> Why are JT and Besser stapled to each other? Go JT and Lindholm, Besser and Patterson, and see where that takes you. JT can move to the wing. Uh, Lindy can play center as well. It's easy. That one's from Isaac in Chilliwack as well. Yeah, because right now it's not as if Besser and uh, JT Miller are, well, no, I, they, are I, perfect I, themselves. Honestly, for as much as, and I get Travis's point about being patient, but with how little they're able to generate, I'm not against moving things around. And I would say, though, Miller and JT together, up until today, actually had a couple of good games. I thought they were good against uh, Colorado. They were decent against yeah, Minnesota. Like They had a couple of good games in a row. Brock's doing a lot of great work in front of the net um, on screens and stuff like that. But on the puck, I mean, the, I don't notice the, them as much. No, the liveliest Pedersen and Lindholm looked were the two shifts with or three shifts with Besser in the third. Sure, and that's a very low bar though yeah. because they didn't have much life of, and even that life may not be enough for it to really register. Mm-hmm. But it was just comparative to what else they did in the game. Do they maybe stick with that for the next game? We'll see, but they need to find some answers. Uh, a lot of thoughts coming into the text inbox, 650-650, courtesy of Dunbar Lumber. Mike in Tawasson says, the only thing that delivered tonight was Riccio's shirt. That was nice. That ish was nice. <laughs> oh, it was 
the talking point in the office today. It was all the buzz. Uh, This one, Trevor from Winnipeg. I think it's important to say this. Don't panic. First in the West, Vegas got clowned by the Leafs tonight. Ha ha. Uh, Deep breaths, everyone. Deep breath so that one's from trevor in winnipeg <laughs> uh and this one um 650 650 uh we get it mccann we shouldn't have traded you from lloyd <laughs> <laughs> that's good and this text here says i was all for some adversity i'm okay now it can stop <laughs> it's, it's not fun getting punched in the face is never fun what's that line uh everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face well, well that one yes. um you you pray for rain. You got to deal with the mud too. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. It's not fun. It's not fun. Uh, this one here, Rick's post game is fire. Is so refreshing. I think we've been kind of waiting the past few games for him to go off on something. Not the team's performances, because again, like I maintain after the last game, I, I thought they played well against Colorado. Special teams cost them. Some undisciplined play cost them. But I didn't have too many problems with their overall play through most of the three games prior. Tonight, though, there's like there's really nothing you can point to and say, well, they did this well. They, they, they did that well. There was none of that going on. But we were waiting for him to maybe go off on the officials because fans wanted mm-hmm. you know, him to go get angry about it. And he kind of kept his composure with that, never got too loose. But you know that was kind of building up, building up, and having a performance like this. There was no way he wasn't going to let them have it after the game. There's just no way. Uh, sorry, I misspoke earlier. Nate texting in. Uh, Pedersen doesn't have four points in his last four games. It's one. It's, it's four points in his last five games. Yes, thank you. Forgot about tonight's game. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, would have been uh, helpful to put in, into that context. So it would be 16 in his last 16, right? So, look, Pedersen needs to be better, right? Obviously. The thing is, is why coaches still put him out there is there is a bottom line there. Yeah. For, for some guys, there's no production coming. And if you're still putting a one in the column, you know, coach is going to say, all right, at least you're doing something. You, you, you need to be better. We'll work on it. But we do still need to work on something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, man, we have a lot of uh, messages. And we have messages from people that were at the game. Uh, Felino on Twitter says, I was there. Uh, talk it was not wrong. Fix it Saturday, boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got this one here from Justin who sent me a message saying, I was at the game tonight. An embarrassing effort. PD was slow as molasses. No compete. I lost every puck battle, chipping the puck up aimlessly, praying someone's going to get it, throwing it up the middle, a hope and a prayer. Boy, oh boy, Heronic's worst game on top of it. What a night. Uh, they got to start playing for They got to start playing for each other again. Remember remember what is at stake. And, you know, for somebody who was there, and I know a lot of Canucks fans that travel down excited mm-hmm. for the game, it's a bit of a gut punch when you get hyped for, for a rivalry game. You drive down to Seattle and you, you, you make a big event out of it, and that's the performance. It's always kind of tough to take. And I don't think he's wrong. We haven't got to Heronic. This was one of the worst games Veronica's played. I mean, there are a lot of players you mm-hmm. can you can you know put in, put into that category, but I mean, uh, the the pressure he invited at the end of the uh, of the first period by making a bad play or turning it over led to a two minute shift in her own zone. They got lucky not to get scored on. It was a pretty adventurous night for most Canucks defensemen. Veronica also is leads that list tonight. Yeah, and you get this opportunity, right? You'll play on the power play. What are you going to go do with it? And... What did he do with it? He he got one you know change up shot off that may have gone off somebody and it, it bounced its way to the side of the net. But by and large, you know he he got this power play one opportunity just to pass it back to J T Miller on the right wall. Yeah, that was really about it for no. for Phil Pronick. And then defensively, yeah, he he really had a tough time today. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know defensively all these guys had trouble but there were moments where you thought okay maybe they're they'll get a spark 
It was a lucky bounce going, mm-hmm. from, going off Lafferty ties the game up two two. It's like, well, you know, hey, maybe things go our way. Or, or, or even Garland just like sigh of relief, team. like the the shift that, that you mentioned earlier yeah, about Heronic, yeah, yeah. where he makes a bad decision at the blue line, keeps yeah. the puck in the zone, goes off the crossbar, and like they get away with it. It's a bad decision, bad shift. Everyone's hemmed in. It's like, oh man, we got away with one. Let's let's sharpen up here. What happens in the next shift? They go with their Hoaglander takes a penalty. Yeah, that's no. not helping your team. It's not. No, and next thing you know, you're back on the, back on yeah. your heels again, right? And the fight with Garland and Tanev. Now Tanev fed him, but there was no energy after mm-hmm. that fight. If anything, they still remained flat. And uh, uh, Satan and Marple says power play is absolutely killing any momentum this team has been able to build the last few games. Hard to have swagger when you when you see a complete and total power outage when your team stars get on the man advantage. And I'm sure that that's an energy zapper, but I'm not even sure there was anything that would give them energy tonight. It just seemed like no matter what you fed them or any moments of, of spark, it just didn't last with the guys tonight. So I'm not sure there was any way they were going to manu- manufacture any effort. It would have had to come from within, and they simply weren't able to bring it out tonight. Uh, back to the inbox, 650-650. Uh, did you read the one from Brendan from the Couve? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, something's got to change. Yeah, lack of power play will lead to an early first-round exit. Change up the personnel and shoot the puck. So I was bringing this up um, earlier today on the People Show. I can run the numbers, too, off of today's game. But uh, just the 49 games of the season compared to the last nine of the power play, not including tonight, obviously. Mm-hmm. The amount that the big four, Besser, Pedersen, Miller, Hughes, right? There's been some changeover, Lindholm, Kuzmenko, yeah. Suter, Hironik, some other guys. So I'm just focused on the big four guys. From the first 49, as far as like total attempts, Besser shooting more per 60, Pedersen shooting more per 60, Miller shooting a lot more per 60 on the power play in these last nine games than the first 49. The person that wasn't shooting a lot more is Quinn Hughes. Yeah. It, it's it's dipped. And and a problem with that too is as, as much as those other guys are shooting more, the pucks aren't actually going on net. That's a huge problem. Blocks, misses. There's Rick talking mentioning PKs are being aggressive. Are they getting out to close the shooting lanes? And Brock Besser's on net percentage from the opening 49 to the last nine, down 20%. Elias Pedersen, down 18%. And this is the big one. Like Quinn Hughes is shooting less. Now, tonight, I think he had about three, four attempts on the power play. Some from the wall, some from the top. But a couple got blocked. But this is the big one. His shots, he's shooting less. And they're getting through 26% less here in these last nine games compared to the opening 49. Is Quinn being more aggressive is probably a positive thing then? He needs to get like back to it, just... Shooting the puck, and he's not getting it off. As well, like he looks for it, doesn't get it off. Yeah, he's he's you know passing up opportunities and just not shooting with any sort of frequency right now, and yeah. and it's not going on net. And when you're handling the puck as much as he is, and you're not shooting, that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's too stagnant. Not enough shots, too much perimeter movement, and they just haven't been able to simplify it for whatever reason so far. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. We'll try to get to more as the show goes on here. Let's go to the phone board, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Let's go to the dispatch, plumbing, heating, and air conditioning hotline. And on the line from L.A. is Don. Don, thanks for calling in. And What are your thoughts here tonight? Well, hi. Uh, yes, I agree about the shooting, uh, especially on the power play. Um, it's just a lot of passing uh, yeah. and a lot of time waste, a lot of wasted time with that. 
Um, but I think, you know, the magic really was the 649, the lotto line. I just, I did, it was magic, like, with those three. And they, they're completely different players, but they that works, mm-hmm. really works beautifully. And um, I wouldn't have changed that. But Lynn, I think Lindholm should be in the, you know, right in front of the net. He did so well there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a perfect place for him. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, oh yeah, of course we need Joshua back. Yeah. But yeah, I think the, all the players, like there's these two new players, so they're they're all adjusting to these line changes, and I think I think it's just means I think it's just frustrating that the whole thing has just been frustrating. I think they're exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Uh, they look, they look really like spent. But at the beginning of the season, lots more. Sh- Lots more hitting and shooting. Yeah, absolutely. The of the season. For sure. Brock, lots of Brock Nesser goals. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's it for me. Thank you. Thank you, Don. That's Don calling in from L.A. And, you know, they had a lot more energy. And as far as earlier in the season, of course, and Brock Besser, somebody texted in, too, and says, uh, how come Brock Besser escapes criticism, it seems like? Well, I mean, on this show, oh on this show. Like when he was scoring, I said, is he dynamic <laughs> enough? And people are like, what are you talking about? He's going to score 30 goals. <laughs> but Don's right. Like, earlier this season, Brock was scoring. That's also kind of gone yeah. down. It's gone quiet. I mean, he scored in what? In four games in the last 24, 25 or something like that. And even the one against Minnesota, like, um, it was late. Um, it was it was eight six. It was eight six, but it made know. it eight seven. So yeah, okay, yeah, it's something. Got but back like, into it a little bit, sure. A, I mean, a little bit. Yeah, he he yes, his it was, goals are coming. It was with the extra man. Yeah, right? it is. The, the thing she also mentions about getting Elias Lindholm to the net front of the power play. You know, he's he's on the power play now. He's off the power mm-hmm. play, um, moving things around again. Like he's a guy you added. Yeah, he's, he's making, off the power play, right? right? Probably trying to make it work with him is not a bad idea, but it tells you about you know where things are right now, right? Uh, let's take one more phone. Uh, Sorry, on. just really quickly, too, uh, uh, on Don's point of putting the lotto line back together. I'm all for trying things. Is is Can Lindholm drive his own line? Here's the thing. Do you even need him to drive his own line or be able to go what up against? What did you give up a first no, round? No, no, no. no. What I'm talking about, do, do you need him to go out there and, and have this team that's going to go out there and like and score 50, yeah, 60, 70 points over 82 games? No, that's not what I'm expecting from Lindholm if he's going to play a shutdown role on the second line. Can he play against the other team's top lines and – like hold his own, and we we knew if you get Lindholm, yes, you don't have enough scoring to have two top six lines if you play the lotto line together. Mm-hmm. But you could get away from having that lotto line out there and get them in some soft matchups, and you can have the Lindholm line be more of a checking line that can match up in tough situations and take some of the stress off your top six. That's why I'd like to try it, but like I'm not even convinced. Is he going to be the lead guy on that line? Like I, I I'm not convinced about playing that. defensively. I think he can do it. It depends on what you're asking him mm-hmm. asking for. Again, if you're asking him to come out here and and you know be an eighty point point per game guy, dragging two wingers and being great defensively, that's not what but, he is. Right, but to me, driving play is also like you're not getting hemmed in your own end. But I think it, he can it, do that. It, but it's, he, it's nice to play defensive hockey. But I think he can do that. Like I don't think he's incapable of playing that type of hockey. But being the best guy on a line to do that defensively, yes, I think. And, he can and do going it. up against other teams' best lines, like I have my concerns about that. I think he can handle those minutes. I mean, I think he even showed in Calgary, despite getting, um, if you look at the numbers analytically, yeah, because, I mean, he was playing with nobodies and they're going head-to-head against other teams' top lines, but he acquitted himself well. Do you have enough players in your top six to do that? That's the other question. But I just, I'm just not going to have realistic, unrealistic expectations. 
this one. I wanted to read this one actually before we even got to Rick Tockett, and, and Tockett actually mentioned it, so it was good text here, unsigned. Communication non-existent with these guys. It's as if the line mates don't know what each other are doing, looking like last year's team. And you know, Rick Tockett even referencing, you know, not a lot of talking going on uh, on the ice. No, so good no, shout. The, yeah, I think the lack of communication was a nobody bit of an wants issue. to make a call is, is 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 what he said. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's fair. You saw a lot of that, and if you're not going to have your energy, I think there are certain things you can do. But they didn't do any of those things either. Uh, we had a lot of people text in uh, from the game. Um, this Brock from Prince Rupert says, "I'm at, at the game in Seattle. EP40 invincible tonight, like he's been the last few games. Getting a bit worrisome of that and the atrocious power play." Tommy, the former tractor guy, says, "Drove down to the game tonight. Other than the first ten minutes, the Canucks looked lost, reaching for plays." Uh, Hoping someone will make something happen. Bad effort from a lot of the guys. Tommy, the former tractor guy, texting in. And, you know, for those, again, like I mentioned, if you went to the game tonight hoping to see your Vancouver Canucks bounce back after three straight losses, it was a tough one to take on the road tonight. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. We are way late. We'll take your phone calls on the other side as well. 604-280-0650 or toll-free 1-888-275-0650. As the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on, presented by the number 5 Orange. So the game is over, but is your night really done? The number 5 is open. More coming up next on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central postgame show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. We also hear Talkit talking a lot about wanting Demko to play half the net, and it's the defenseman's responsibility to cut off the other half. As he makes another great save on the goal line, rebound, they score! Jordan Everly in front! Kraken win the face-off of the Vancouver zone. And McCann got it out front to Everly, who was denied by Demko. A tremendous left pad save on the first opportunity. But Everly gets his own rebound, and it's 4-2 Kraken. And the Kraken are ready to go after the face-off. The Canucks are puck-watching a little bit as Noah Juleson and Nikita Zadorov are chasing in front of the net. And Everly ends up picking up the rebound and roofing it past Thatcher Demko. But Jared McCann is the one that makes this play. And as a result, a couple of Canucks defensemen and Teddy Bluger are stuck watching the play as Seattle is now taking a 4-2 lead. Kraken go on to win 5-2 over your Vancouver Canucks. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. But Bick, before we get to the phone boards, uh, let's get a couple text messages in. A lot of great thoughts coming in. I wish we had more time. But uh, fantastic stuff so far. All over the place today. Uh, but a lot of strong thoughts. A lot of consistent thoughts as well. Doug and Delta. I've been telling you guys for the last two years. Hughes' shot rarely gets to net. Mostly block or wide. That's our captain, uh, Doug and Delta, who has been texting that in uh, for uh, quite a while here. Uh, this one, uh, Christian and Richmond. 
Uh, game tonight just wasn't good enough. Hronik is being put on the power play to shoot the puck. Did he even shoot it? Uh, why are we placing him on power play one and removing a top forward? Uh, power play, absolutely atrocious. And what point do you ask the Sedins to coach power play one? Talking it and walking it on the power play. Uh, that's <laughs> for sure. Uh, this one, um, our lack of production on the power play only deflates their own players from Dylan. Uh, and uh, finally, uh, you read the Tommy the Tractor guy one. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and, and, and this one, this game is about mental fatigue more than physical fatigue, more than any other game in a while. Sleeping in their own beds will make a huge difference. Yeah. Let's hope so. I certainly hope so. Take their beds on the road then. Is that the solution? <laughs> Would it be as easy as that? <laughs> Who knew? Marty the Red says somehow they've become slower. Uh, they're not the biggest team. They're not the fastest team. It shows how important playing to their system, a.k.a. Staples, really is. That's a fantastic point by Marty. And and we've talked about this, and I know, Bic, you've done the research, too, looking at the Are speed track. Me, no, uh, no, you don't have to do on. it. But no, uh, but, no I, I have the, the, the spreadsheet saved. Spread right. find it. Okay, but basically, if you look at the Canucks' individual skaters, they're not the fastest team. And if you look at the pace, like they rank amongst the slower teams in the league based on the puck tracking data and the speed data. They have a couple of guys who skated fairly fast, but overall, team-wise, their team speed does not rank very high. But the team speed has not been an issue because of how they play. They've been mm-hmm. super direct, winning a lot of board battles. They've been very good with the puck support. And like the coach mentioned, chipping a body, which means if a guy's coming through the neutral zone or your zone, put a body on. Don't Slow let them him, down. Don't yeah. let them go through unencumbered, right? So, And then also the rail, which we talk about, which is stopping at the hash marks in front of your goal at the circles. If you're defending your own zone, forwards go and stop in there and doing things. So when they're playing fast, that's getting to the spots quickly, working hard, winning battles, they look like a fast team. They're connected with their play. They play the triangles like they talk about, stay connected. But when they're not having the support with their connectivity, they don't have the pace to make up for it. And when you're not hunting pucks down and you're too disconnected and too distant from your teammates, you're going to look even slower and worse. And I think Marty makes a great point. When they play through their system, they can look fast, but they can't rely on speed because they don't quite have it as a team. Uh, so I looked this up during the All-Star break. So it's a little out of date, but to, to be honest, it's not going to change too, too much. Uh, as far as their forwards, average top speed, the Vancouver Canucks were second to last. Now, Dallas is last, Toronto is fourth to last. It's not a perfect example of saying like, oh, the fastest teams are always the best, but obviously, you know, your Colorados, your Edmontons are leading the way, uh, large part due to McKinnon and, and McDavid. But even just the average speed for your forwards, they're third to last with Anaheim, San Jose, Buffalo, Arizona in that mix. The defense, you think, all right, well, Quinn Hughes, Philip Pronick, does that get much faster uh, for the Vancouver Canucks? Average. Um, speed, top speed, yeah, they're they're sitting about twenty third in the league, yeah. and and so it's it's not overly quick. And then just the the, the total team speed, um, for top speed they are fourth to last, and for uh, average speed they are sorry for average speed they are fourth to last, and for top speed they are second to last. Second, yeah. So the numbers there don't mm-hmm. lie; they don't have a ton of pace, but it hasn't been an issue unless they're not working to their and not at their hardest. I would say mm-hmm. you don't have to necessarily. Be smarter. Tonight, the effort needed to be better, sure, from a lot of guys, but just not playing smart hockey. We know they can play a lot smarter than they have so far. Uh, let's go to the phone board, 604-280-0650. or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Let's go to New West where we have Sean on the line. Sean, thanks for calling in, buddy. Uh, what are your thoughts here tonight? Uh, first off, thanks for taking my call, boys. Uh, first off, you know, I feel bad for uh, a lot of, you know, kind of fans that drove down to Seattle. You know, they 
took their, you know, took their cars, drove down, mm-hmm. probably stopped at the Seattle Premium Outlet, probably went to Cheesecake Factory, <laughs> and then ended up going to the game and watched that performance. Um, I've actually been to Seattle at Climate Pledge Arena, and the Cox have played there six times, and they've lost twice, and I've only and I've been there for the four times they've won. Huh. So when Tuckett's calling out four or five people, he may be calling me out because I wasn't there tonight. You didn't compete hard yeah, enough man, to get compete, there, man. man. What's on. going on? Yeah. I'm a 4-0, but I didn't feel confident tonight because three games to four nights is tough. I don't care how good you are. Yeah. I mean, they didn't play. They played. I mean, think of the schedule. They played Saturday night against the Jets at home. You got to hop on a plane and play in Minnesota in a matinee game, then play in Mile High City, Denver, Colorado, the next mm-hmm. night. And uh, you know the teams are, I think, 0 and 14 playing back to back in Denver. That was going to be a tough game in Seattle. I mean, they're the Kraken. I mean, I mean, they're not going to be world beaters. I mean, they lost tonight, yes, but. I don't put much stock into this game. I mean, mm-hmm. a tired team. The Cucks didn't play well. No excuses. Obviously, they didn't bring it tonight. But, I mean, Seattle, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. I doubt they make the playoffs. There's too many teams for them to jump over. I think St. Louis probably is going to catch that spot. But in other words, you know, I'm not really concerned. I mean, four game, four losses in a row is not good. I mean, look, mm-hmm. I mean, the Rangers have lost four in a row this year. The Panthers, the Stars, the Avalanche, Jets, Hurricanes, Knights, the Leafs, and even the Bruins have lost four in a row. So, we're going to end soon. I mean, it's, you know, we got these losses, but, you know, they got to take care of business hopefully on uh, Saturday. And uh, and then you got a bunch of games at home, and then you got, like, you know, this this last stretch of games, there's about 20, what, 23 games left in the season. So, yeah. I mean, it's right there. We're still first in the Pacific, first in the West. I mean, it's, you know, it's right there. So, I'm really not that concerned. I mean, they lost. I mean, what can you do, right? It is what it is. So, have a good night. And, Seth? Yes, sir. Um, one thing to say to you. Yeah. Uh, you hope this game tonight. It looked like I was watching a Cleveland Browns game from the nineteen <laughs> early nineteen nineties, and uh, I'll hang up and listen. Bye. Uh, thanks to the phone call, Sean. Uh, you know the dig on the Browns. Sure, why not? We'll take it. Uh, but but I but I'm disappointed in in Sean. Should have gone to Seattle. If you if you're a true Canucks fan mm-hmm. and you're four and zero in Seattle, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's, Sean's that's effort was like the early ninety Browns. <laughs> Just mailing it in. They didn't even bother driving down to Seattle. Why not go to Seattle to watch? Didn't the game? they have a winning season before they left? They did. They actually did. They're, they're playing. They're, they're like on the right track yeah. towards the end with Belichick, and then yeah, yeah. no, it's, I don't want to go through it again. Okay? I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> I don't need to go through it again. Uh, Sasha from the I five northbound says, "I went to the game in San Jose." Uh, uh, I, I went to San Jose when we lost, and I went oh, to this okay. game in Seattle tonight, and the effort tonight was by far worse than losing to the worst team in the league. Put Baines on power play, too. He's at least noticeable in a good way. That's Sasha. And uh, others have texted in. Abby say, and Arsh. Yeah. Now, what do you make of the way Arsh D. Baines played today? And we have dozens of questions about Arsh D. Baines. So let's spend a few moments talking about the Canucks rookie, undrafted rookie, who played a second game. And not only did he move up to the line to play with JT Miller and Brock Besser tonight. He was one of uh, what the seven, eight, nine forwards the coach was leaning on in mm-hmm. the third period, and he got a bunch of ice time late as well. And the coach wasn't asked about it. It wasn't really a big topic of conversation because the Canucks lost five two and had a listless performance. But it seemed like the coach was yet again very impressed with the rookie. And why wouldn't you be? I thought he backed up a very strong performance uh, on the road in Colorado with an. I wouldn't say a better game, but I thought he was maybe even more dangerous tonight. Yeah, the minutes got doled out in a certain way that uh, some guys really carried the mail. Yeah. Uh, Pedersen up at 22.59, JT Miller at 21.05, Brock Besser at 18.09, Lindholm sitting there at 22.18. So 
Arshdeep Baines ends up playing less minutes than yesterday, twelve fifty seven. But I, I don't think that's a reflection of like, oh, it's going down. He he was positive. He still ended up playing more minutes than Connor Garland did tonight. Yep, Connor but, Garland at twelve fourteen. Yeah, and now part of that comes down to special teams a little bit too. The Canucks being on the, being on the power play mm-hmm. and the first unit being out there and the unit not doing much of anything. But I thought Arshdeep Baines had a strong game. He had a really good scoring chance too. I thought maybe one of Grubauer's better saves was in the second period where. In, uh, R. Right. Steve Baines yeah. had that chance and he kicked out the pad to keep it out. And Loose he had puck a, turnover. Yeah, he had some he was digging pucks out. He played fairly well when he was with JT too, digging pucks out on the forecheck. I thought R. Steve uh, committed uh, acquitted himself very well yet again tonight. If we're talking about this audition, yeah. he he's getting another call back. He's going to the third audition, I think, certainly uh in a role there in the top six. And you know, with Hoaglander getting uh, less time through with that game. Mikheyev didn't do anything to to unseat uh, R.C. Baines in a top six spot. I, I'm hard pressed to not see him back there uh, on Saturday against Boston. Yeah, uh, so I, I'm expecting to see him there, and I think he's done more than you can really expect as far as what he can you know for through two games. Yeah. Like I, I thought coming, like, honestly, I'm like, hey, come in if he can even play nine or ten minutes and play back to back games, just. Being in the lineup, I think that's a step in the right direction. But the fact that he's been able to play so smart and effective that they feel confident, at least for now, trying mm-hmm. him out in the top six, I think it that exceeds any expectations we had through the first two games. We've seen the hype train here on on the, the texts coming in about like, hey, RST Baines, I got to get this guy in, get this guy in. We've been seeing it since what November? Yeah, early December, and and it's been coming in nonstop. And and the point for both of us has been like marinate, right? I only ever wanted to see one call-up. You get called up, congratulations, you've graduated the AHL, you're an NHL player now. I didn't want to see the up-and-down, up-and-down thing. And if, if if he struggled a bit, then he goes back down. You mentioned like, oh, nine, ten minutes. If he just played credible hockey in the fourth line, it's it's nice. But but he's surpassed all of that. Yeah. And, and the thing, the, the reason I think you and I were both a little slower than, than the text coming in is... It's not that there wasn't belief in the player. It's that like it's it's really hard to to succeed and win in the NHL for for an individual player. Like step up your first NHL games and and you're going to have success. It, it's challenging. It and, is. And also on a team where like up until you know recently, and the coach yeah. mentioned four or five guys. Like every guy's been been a contributor. Career years all, and all around, and they're playing to their staples, yeah. playing to their identity. And you have guys that have been seasoned up until this point. And he's stepped in no problem and. Not just played like, oh, well enough, right? Like, yeah, you know, playing 11 minutes and making no mistakes on the fourth line. He, he's showing himself. And the fact that he's been noticeable and, and certainly earning a lot of praise from Canucks fans in our inbox here, that's the, the real encouraging bit for me, whereas I just look at this now and say, hey, keep it going. Yeah. Not just for him, but also from the coaching staff. Keep keep rewarding this right now because he's 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 earning his his keep in in, in pivotal spots. And he he was one of the bright spots. There mm-hmm. weren't a ton of bright spots, but he was certainly one of them. Uh, Red Light in Victoria texts in and says, "Longtime listener, uh, you guys know as well as I do." Uh, we have to hold the fort down right now. Can't panic yet. Dropping four sucks. Uh, it is four games in six days, but no excuses. Still 25 games, 24 games left to go to right the ship. I trust this leadership. I trust the bench bosses. I trust our management. And that is a red light in Victoria texting. And so for a lot of people that are really concerned and nervous about the team, there are those who are trusting the process. And, you know, like the like Sean and New West also mentioned, calling in and others, you are going to lose games. It's going to happen. You lose mm-hmm. like you're going to have like losing streaks, four games. You know, it's going to happen here and there. It's how you come out of it. 
the Canucks haven't come out of it yet, so that kind of leaves a little bit of uncertainty about it. But I'm not at a stage, and I thought today tonight's game was was unacceptable, not good enough. But I'm not at a panic stage yet with this team. No, it's really just about what's consistent, right? The the, the losses are consistent, but that doesn't mean all the efforts were the same, right? Uh, the, yeah, the, the efforts absolutely. against Winnipeg, Minnesota, Colorado were were valid, viable I efforts. Co- I to watched go the get... Col- Colorado game again. They played well against Colorado. Yeah, and and so. The thing that's consistent tonight about the other three is just the result. Yeah. If they had played this way all four games, Different story. I, I, I wouldn't be sitting down this whole show. I'd be standing <laughs> up and I'd be like, are you kidding me? Right? It, yeah, it'd yeah. be annoying. And it, it's frustrating that they lost the fourth game in a row. But it, it's it's the, the reality of what's happened through these four games is it's – they've been in them. It's just tonight they I, – I, I do think fatigue caught up to them. I just wanted a better effort considering you're in a three-game losing yeah, streak. Yeah, fatigue or not, the effort. I think the smarts and everything and, and trying to fight through it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see some mental toughness. Didn't quite see it tonight. They, have they Boston, quiet quitted basically tonight. Kind of, right? Yeah. And, I, and I love seeing that. As And as far as a game coming up on Saturday, they're take, taking on Boston. Would you take these four games if they beat Boston on Saturday? Well, it's basically the road trip that happened earlier, right? Yeah, the other way instead. Yeah. All right, keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll take your phone calls as well. And we'll get more from Ian McIntyre and Players Postgame as the Canucks Central Postgame show continues, presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Yeah, I don't have really much. You know, I mean, I, I sometimes have a lot. I don't have much to say. Just a lot of not much compete from the guys. That's on me. I got to take the blame for that. I didn't get the guys to compete hard enough, so I, so I'll, I'll take the heat on this one. We just had, it was a lot of no shows tonight. Listen, I know that we we call this going to be a tough stretch. But you can't give in to its fatigue. You can't. You got to play smarter. Um, you know, you just got to do. You got to do things smarter. Just play smart and compete. So that actually knows. They came up with loose pucks. We didn't. I mean, you got side. I mean, there's nothing. You know, analyze it. There's nothing really to say. Our clears were awful tonight. We had three times to get the puck down. We didn't get it down. So, you know, like I said, you know, four-game losing streak. And it's like every keeps saying a good thing, adversity, but you know we got to start to pick it up here, and we guys got to understand that when the puck comes on our rim, we have a technique to do it, and you have to have the BALS to, to, to get the puck out. You can't just go in soft, and you can't ice pucks on a rim. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett, after a five-two loss in Seattle, that was the best of Rick Tockett today, uh, post game. Uh, not being uh, shy, less, less shy, yeah, to to sh- to share his opinion about what he saw, and you are listening to the he had some B A L L S on his uh, post game comments. <laughs> he's, not a, that's, he's one guy who doesn't lack uh, yeah. those qualities. I was he's, a little bit worried about the spelling <laughs> there. Whew. Yeah, somebody said. Uh, uh, somebody said that you're not a great rapper, you're not a great rhymer, but you're still better than the Canucks on the power play. <laughs> <laughs> I forget who texted that in, but yeah. somebody texted it in. Uh, great thought. Um, you're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five Orange on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, 650, 650 is our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. Fish Dancer says, I think you can sum up this game with a JT Miller breakaway in the first. Shoots way early, misses the net. Made me go, huh, this whole team was just awkward tonight. That was a funny sequence. JT gets a breakaway on the PK. 
an incredible take. Slides it behind. Uh, he gets it behind him, slides it in front of him, dives in towards the goaltender, and then way too early, wires a shot and misses the net completely. That That's the most aggressive dumping I've ever seen. <laughs> I tweeted the clip, and yeah. a lot of people were like, well, he get, he catches goalies off guard all the time. If he scored it, he would have been praising it. I was like, well, yeah, because it's a goal. It's a goal, yeah. It's like he, he, <laughs> but he didn't. He didn't score. Missed and it's net. a breakaway from the red line. Like, what surprise? The goalie's well outside his crease. What surprise is there? Yeah. That was a bit of an awkward. Dis- but again, like, I think Fish Dancer makes a right point. Like, it was an awkward night yeah. in many ways. A lot of weird decisions. And how much of that is mental, physical fatigue? Who knows? But you got to be able to fight through it. And talk had said, and one of the things he mentioned was, you know, if, if they think this is going to be, mm-hmm. if this is the postseason, um, that's not. I see if I wrote it down here. I don't know if I can find uh, it. But he, I, I got it. You uh, have it. All right. Some guys need to buckle up. Uh, you know what? I uh, yeah, not even close to playoff hockey. If these guys think playoff hockey is is that, we're in trouble. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, if you guys think this is playoff hockey, we're in trouble. Right? Like that. That's the problem. You got to fight through it in the postseason. It doesn't get any easier. So you heard his thoughts coming in, and Bick, you were mentioning. It, oh yeah, right. That last year, it was Tockett's was it his second game or whatever it was. Uh, right? Yeah, the six one game, right? It was in Seattle against the Kraken, and then the Canucks were just playing horrible. They got absolutely handed, had to hand it to them. They were all over the ice, not doing anything, and the coach really ripped into them. So you heard the clip coming in. He didn't mince any words. Which one was worse? Here's Rick Tockett from last year, <laughs> very early on in his tenure, and, and here's what he had to say about the Canucks' performance in Seattle back in 2023. I don't know if the anxiety caught up to some of the guys, you know, the motions last week, but whew, that was bad tonight. That was bad. Soft. It was a, you know, you hate to call your team soft, but it was soft tonight. You know, we didn't uh, didn't participate on the wall battles. We didn't get a rim out. You know, that we knew we're, they're, you know, this is a good team. We didn't play predictable. We started regrouping, like old habits, came, you know, old habits came. We were just talking the coach stuff, man. I wish I had about 10 practices. I really do. And because uh, it shows tonight that we got a lot of work to do. Um, nobody wants the puck. I, I, I don't, you know, I've been here a short time in like four or five days. And um, from what I was told, this group has a tough time putting back to back, you know, predictable hockey or, you know, uh, efforts together. So we got a long way to go. Well, listen, you know, we all know there's some holes we got to fill. Um, you know, we got to get that leadership group st- stronger, uh, more resilient uh, team, obviously. Um, and listen, I, I'm not making excuses, but maybe the anxiety caught up to them. And every, it just, I, it looked like everybody looked tired. Everybody couldn't handle the puck. Usually, you know, some games you have three or four guys that don't look good, but it seemed like I, I don't. There's a couple of guys actually really trying out there, but the rest of the guys are really struggling tonight. And maybe the anxiety hit their legs. I don't know. So that was from last year. That was the game against Seattle. That's almost a carbon copy. It's, I mean, obviously the words were yeah. sequenced differently, and it wasn't exactly the same Basically, thing. Basically, we substituted anxiety for fatigue. Fatigue, yeah. And, I mean, he didn't he didn't mention the leadership group is lacking yeah. because, you know, they made some changes. But he said, I wish we had more pra- – I wish we had 10 more practices. Yeah. He said the same thing. I wish we had more practices. Uh, yeah, tonight. What did he say about practices tonight? He uh, said well, – they asked about tomorrow. Are you going to practice? He said, well, we have a 4 o'clock start on Saturday. Yeah. I wish we had more practices practices but there's only so much time we have maybe do some video work or something mm-hmm. like but he said something similar like i wish we had more time for practice and he what did he mention nobody wants the puck same um, thing he said today yeah um t- 
tonight he said everybody is capable of doing things, but you're not capable of doing it. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's almost like carbon copy. We could have just aired that right out Probably of the could game. have, and it would have been not too, not too far mm-hmm. off. And he mentioned, too, like not playing to your system, not playing to you – know, he mentioned – Now, systems weren't really in place. No, but he also mentioned not playing in, in the tough areas, and that's something he mentioned, too. On the rim rounds, you have to get in there. You have to have the balls, he mentioned, to go out there and, and win those battles. It was and B-A-L-L-S, that. I, get the quote all, right. We all know what he was talking about. Get the quote Don't be a coward. Right. Just say it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, interesting, interesting. The coach. <laughs> I didn't think it would be so similar. It, it was on the nose. It was yeah. more on the nose than I thought it would be. A lot of people asking about Dakota Joshua. Uh, do they really miss Dakota Joshua this much? Others have texted in about it too. Uh, somebody texted in. I don't know if I can find it, but uh, says something along the lines of. Oh, I, I got it. Kevin from Burnaby. It's clear now. Dakota Joshua yes. is the heart and soul of this team. <laughs> Extend him at twelve mil for eight years. <laughs> That's the one I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin and Burnaby. We had yeah. that one saved. I mean, I mean, yeah, they miss Dakota Joshua, but. It can't. It's not. I mean, I don't think because of Dakota Joshua, the team has lost all of a sudden, or the way they were lost mm-hmm. today at the very or tonight at the very least. I thought the third line, like, I, I'm a big fan of, of Teddy Bluger. I, I think this was his worst game. Easily his yeah. worst game. Easily his worst and, game. And, and Suter, Garland. You know the the Suter thing. It's like like you put him on any line, the speed really comes down. Well, he's not the fast guy, and and I think it's misplaced when he's on the wing. I think. It, Playing down the middle, yeah. it's better for him, and especially if you don't have enough pace. Garland is a shifty player, not a pacey player, mm-hmm. right? So I think it does cause some issues in terms of um, trying to play the way they want to play with a more straight-ahead north-south I, I game. would like to see Suter go back and maybe Oman comes out. It's 7 minutes and 36 seconds for Nils Oman tonight. Um, no shot attempts, one hit, no blocks. That one wouldn't surprise me. It, I just I feel like I haven't noticed Nils Oman here. In, no, in the last he, he's not playing a ton, and you, you know we'll see. The other guy to, too is Ilya Mikheyev. Mm-hmm. Seven oh seven. Seven oh seven. You know, and you know one of the things we mentioned this was a couple games back. It was against Colorado when uh, there was talk of Baines coming in, and there was a lot of scuttlebutt you heard before the game that hey, this guy might be out, that guy might be out, and one of the names that I heard might be out was Ilya Mikheyev. So what I quickly surmised a, a bit afterwards was the coach put a few guys on notice. He said, like, you know, whether it's... Put up or shut up, basically. For a few. Yeah. He said, listen, I'm not sure if you're going to play tonight. We're going to put Baines in. I haven't decided who's coming out. But be ready to play, but you may not play. I think that was a message to a few guys in Colorado. And I think Mikhail was one of those guys. And he mentioned today, the coach, four or five guys. Clearly, Mikhail was one of those guys. Well, is he, well, five is a rather large number, right? It is like pretty big. Sent out eighteen skaters, right? But maybe he's trying to be kind to sure. the guys, and you know, maybe it's a. But with the way things have gone with Mikheyev, I, I think there's a chance he comes out on Saturday. Like, it wouldn't shock me if he's the guy out on Saturday. And if you want to talk about accountability, he gets paid a lot, mm-hmm. right? And he's played up the lineup, and they've asked more. They prodded him, and he's getting worse almost. And tonight, like. That miscommun- miscommunication, like, I don't understand what Zadorov's doing on the clear. And the coach mentioned this today. We had two or three clears we didn't get. And mm-hmm. the one he's talking about on the on the PK was Zadorov has the puck. He can shoot it out. He, sh- he shoots it at Mikheyev, a soft it, it, shot. It, it's a really soft flip. It was never going it, it was, to it was never gonna land outside the blue line. No, and what, Vince Dunn was behind it, ready to eat it up. And what Mikheyev, now Mikheyev's already kind of floating towards Zadorov when the shot comes anyway. So it's. You know, he's facing that way. He tries to knock the puck down and then tries to move it to the middle of the ice to Pedersen, and Pedersen can't handle it. The puck gets turned over, 
and then a few seconds later they end up scoring the goal. And it's like, what? Why are you trying to knock the puck down and make a play in front of your own zone? Like you saw a play with Seattle, similar spot. The Seattle player turned around, tried to whack. Wipe, now he, he was different, framed a bit differently. differently. He, he, but, was, he was more looking towards the boards. But, but yeah, instead of trying to knock the puck down and try to make a play, it was about like let's put it into either yeah. let's put it into the corner, let's try to get it out of danger, and instead just invites more pressure, invites more danger. And when when he was coming off the ice on that play, the head coach was staring daggers at mm-hmm. him. So it wouldn't shock me at all if he comes out on Saturday. I mean, there's a lot of candidates. Yeah. Four to five candidates yeah. to uh, potentially come out of the lineup here. Yeah. Uh, Trucker James says, uh, talk had said last year, I wish we had 10 practices. And tonight he said, I wish we could have a week of practices. Mm-hmm. Pretty similar. Very similar. Uh, the thoughts of the Canucks head coach. All right. We are going to get to Ian McIntyre coming up uh, in a few minutes. But before we do that, let's get the thoughts of the Canucks captain. Quinn Hughes post game, and here is Quinn Hughes talking about what went wrong tonight in Seattle against the Kraken. Yeah, I mean, I think that we were probably the better team in Minnesota. Just uh, four or five bad minutes there with penalties and whatnot, and then uh, Colorado's good game, and um, you know they just had the the goal there at the end. But tonight, obviously, not a great effort, and um, starts to me. But the good thing for us is that. We have another opportunity, a big game on, on Saturday, 4 o'clock against Boston. It's going to be, um, I'm sure the city's going to be excited and fans are going to be lining up to watch. So it's um, an opportunity for us. I'm sure you're tired of being asked about the power play, but it just seems like it's really, you threw a yeah. whole bunch of different things out there and nothing really stuck tonight. Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously it's going to be a focal point until um, we have a little bit more success and that's just the way it's going to be. But, um, you know, no one cares more than the guys that are on the ice and, um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to figure this out and get the job done. And if we can, I'm sure you know we'll find guys that can. I know that you obviously take a win any way you can get it, but does it feel worse when you know, like tonight, you don't come close to your your top game as a team? Yeah, it doesn't feel great, obviously. But in saying that, I mean, we weren't going to win 75 games this year, and we can look at this as um, you know a chance to improve and. Um, go through a tough stretch here and come out of it, you know, on the other side a little bit better. So that's the way we're just going to try to look at it. How concerned are you personally about the last four games? Um, I mean, obviously not a great feeling, um, you know, going home on three, but um, I told you guys the whole year that I was going to try to be um, not too high or too low, and um, I think I've done a really good job at that so far. And I think the guys in this room have done a really good job. So the answer to your question is, uh, you know, obviously a level of um, where we know we need to be better, but also no one's panicking, and we just got to show up and be better tomorrow at practice and then carry on this uh, Saturday. I know nobody's looking for excuses, but can you just give us a sense of how difficult is it to play 10 games in 17 nights with eight of them on the road? Yeah, I, I didn't even know that until you just said so. Um, obviously, I'm sure everyone's looking forward to that March homestead, but in saying that, I don't think that had any impact on um, what transpired tonight. Quinn, when you're dealing with this adversity, do you lean on some of the ways that you were able to respond earlier in the season to continue to have that confidence when you're battling through this event? Yes and no. I mean, obviously, um, the success we had there, you know, early in the season kind of looked back to what made us successful. But also in saying that, I mean, everyone's playing better hockey than they were in game five, 20, and 30, and um, people are ramping up. I mean, that, I haven't looked at the standings in the last couple of days, but I'm sure that's a team that's fighting for a spot. So. We have a little bit of desperation. We need to find, you know, our desperation. 
That is Canucks captain Rick, uh, Rick Tockett, uh, Quinn Hughes, after a 5-2 loss. And he mentions that uh, fatigue is not an excuse. He said he didn't know it was that bad, but the travel and how many road games they played, but he can't use that as an excuse. And he also, you know, didn't get too high and too low, like he mentioned, and, and put it in, into context. He said, we're not going to win 75 games this season. We are going to have some losses. And it's just too bad you, that you have a four-game losing streak. But it all comes down to how you get out of this. Right now, the Canucks are extending their losing streak. They'll get out of get out of it at some point. And the question is, are they going to be able to do it convincingly enough for people to feel better about it? And we get a chance to see that as soon as Saturday when they take on the Bruins. As much as you want the fire and the emotion, and, and sometimes you need to, 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 to rattle some, some cages to, to make sure guys are ready to respond... It is comforting at times to, to know the leader is that calm about it. And, you know, the, the old flight attendant theory, Sat, when there's turbulence, you look at the flight attendant, and if they're calm, the passengers are calm. Yeah. So the, the, there's Queen Hughes. Just, I'm He's calm. calm. I'm He's calm. being calm. Right? right. So hopefully that calms everyone down, and uh, they're ready for Boston. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're going to be ready for Boston. That's coming up on Saturday. Early puck drop, 4 p.m. start time against the Bruins at Rogers Arena. But before we get to all that, it's time to go to Seattle and welcome in the man we call the triple threat. You watch him on TV, you read him on digital, and you hear him on radio, and he's coming through on the dispatch, plumbing, heating, and air conditioning hotline. It is Ian McIntyre. One thing I've learned in many years of travel is when things go wrong you cannot believe what flight attendants and pilots tell you <laughs> why not <laughs> they don't tell you the truth always it seems like they lie pathologically you know that old old Jim yes. Carrey movie liar liar he should have been a pilot during bad weather how many, how many how many times do they promise Oh yeah, it should just be another few minutes and we'll get going. And like forty-five minutes later, you're still who, still who cares there. about that? But like in in times of turbulence, <laughs> you want them to lie to you because you're like uh, you're the ones that know what you're doing. If you're good, we're good. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Rick Rick Talkett. <laughs> Ian, if I the love, pilot came running out of the cockpit, be like, I don't know what's going on. Wouldn't you be a little yeah. bit concerned? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. But I, I love the fact that that he he knows his own weaknesses. <laughs> so he came out and said at the start, I'm not going to say much. And then, and then he said a ton. So like the team, he failed to execute the game plan. <laughs> he thought he would not say a whole lot, but he did because he couldn't help himself. But listen, he uh, one thing he said that was correct is we all saw what would what was happening. And you couldn't, you couldn't disguise that as as anything else other than a really dispiriting uh, effort for a team. No, it really was, and and the head coach didn't really mince any words in his post game availability. And we we played the comments from him when he was in Seattle the first time last year when they lost six one. And and you know, believe it or not, he said a lot of similar things about the, this game and that game. Now, obviously. Things have changed, and there's talks about leadership group having to get better and getting more leaders, and they've clearly added that to the group. But it really felt like the coach saw this as a step-back game from their staples and, and how they want to play and be as a team. 
Well, well, they always talk about process, right? Yeah. And and right now they'd trade some process for a win. I guarantee you that. <laughs> they'd take a really ugly win against Boston if they could get two points. They would take that. But the process does mean a lot. And, and for as un, ungodly as that Minnesota game third period was, their, their five-on-five play through the last three games that they had lost was all reasonable. Like, I mean, they had a couple of breakdowns in the third period against Winnipeg, but otherwise had played a, a really solid game against a really good team. Uh, Minnesota, they were in control until they started the conga line to the penalty box. And we may, ne- we may not in our lifetimes see four five-on-threes like we did in that game, and three of them in succession. Then they go to Colorado, they play their best game of the trip, and they're on the power play down a goal in the third period with a chance with a chance to, to get something from that game. And then they come here and they're awful. And you know, I I I liked what talk well, I liked a lot of the things he said because he's just honest, right? He he is one of the things that that this organization has said about accountability is that they have to be honest with themselves. Oh. And I think they have been. And, and I think talk it was honest tonight, but when he said, you know, it, uh, talking about uh, adversity and the schedule, you know, that if, if this is what these guys, meaning his players think it's going to be playoff hockey, uh, they're in trouble. You know, this was a game against the Seattle team that's probably not going to be in the playoffs. The Canucks did, ha- although the schedule has been arduous, and we've talked about it, how ridiculous this, this schedule is. Certainly, I've talked about it. The five-game road trip. You come home for two. You go back on the road for three. You come home for three. Then you're going back on the road again. Um, this was their ninth different arena in the ten games, and they've been across four time zones. But this is nothing compared to compared to w- w- what you're going to face in the playoffs. Like this isn't really adversity. As, as I said, said to Murph on TV, I just love that line from no country for old men. Well, this is a mess, isn't it sheriff? Well, if it ain't, it'll do until the mess gets here. This isn't the adversity. This isn't really the adversity. This will just do until the real adversity gets here. And that little bit of adversity is getting bigger by the game right now and the Canucks just have to find a way to to play through it you know one of the things that Tockett said to me this morning after his his scrum is how much how much he learns about the team when it's not doing well and it 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 had such a charmed season that's my word not his uh that you know you, you haven't there haven't been a lot of lessons from from losing I mean, there's been bad games here and there. This is the first time, you know, they've lost more than two in a row. Now they've, now they've done it twice. They've doubled up and they've lost four in a row. But he said, you know, do you do the, do the guys stay with the structure and can continue to come with the right attitude and be confident and want the puck and make plays with the puck? Or do they freeze? And do they just start to dump the puck? because nobody wants to make a play or nobody has confidence. And right now, you know, a night like tonight, and again, this is sort of the, 
the worst we've seen, although the game in Boston was dreadful as well, where they lost four nothing. Um, you know, right now they look like a team that's that's freezing. They look like a team that's devoid of confidence. You know, Tyler Myers said to me tonight after the game when I talked to him that, you know, when things are going well, uh, you just have a feeling like you're unstoppable. But when it flips, you have those feelings the other way. And he said the important thing is to remember what it was and how you felt when you were winning those games so that you're not, you're not playing out of fear. Now I'm paraphrasing a bit because he didn't say playing out of fear, but not, not playing where you make one mistake and then you're worried about making the next mistake. You have to, you have to be able to within this structure that, you know, we've talked so much about and certainly talk it has, has emphasized it in the staples it's still predicated on all on hard work. And when you have the puck being confident and making plays, you know, where it's supposed to go, you know, where people are supposed to be. You have to make a play tonight. They couldn't make any plays. I forgot what I was going to ask. Cause I'm, I'm still in awe of the uh, no country for old men reference. Um, <laughs> well, was... a book by Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. You know, I love, I love writing Cormac McCarthy. Other than Hemingway, in my opinion, was the greatest writer of the 20th century. And uh, No Country for Old Men isn't even his his best book, although Anton Jigur is probably his best villain, played by Javier Bardem uh, to perfection. But I just, uh, there's so there's so many quotable lines from that movie, and it's maybe Tommy Lee Jones' mm-hmm. finest work, certainly his finest work, in in the back half of his career and uh i just you know like so many lines about it and and it was by the way so i said to murph what it was like and i used the no country for old men analogy and he laughed and said that's great you got to use that on tv and i said no people aren't going to get it on tv plus i'm so long-winded i probably won't be able to tell the story and he said no no we're going with it we're going with it so if it didn't come across on TV, I'm blaming Murph. <laughs> it's okay. when in doubt, blame yeah. Murph. It's okay. Yeah, uh, I, I, yes. I, I, I well, try to rise about Sorry, my ahead. golf game as well, telling people that I shoot in the low seventies. Like he's the guy who shoots seventy eight, and he's all grumpy about it because he's he's missed a bunch of pots. If I shoot, if I shoot seventy eight, I'm going to McDonald's to celebrate. <laughs> uh, what I wanted to ask is uh, who is uh, most in jeopardy of of coming out of the lineup. Well, I'd say it's not good for Ilya Mikheyev that he played six minutes tonight. So, uh, you know, but I uh, honestly, I think when he, when talk it, and we, we'd all love him to name names. I, I think he's referring as a group to his top players that he, he just feels like they're not getting anything uh, from those guys. And uh, it's hard to think of anybody who had a redeeming game tonight and by top players and I'm talking about Pedersen and talking about Miller, although Miller had been a lot better in recent games. Uh, certainly I'm talking about Elias Lindholm, who seems to like the team almost be getting worse instead of better. And didn't have a shot tonight, although talk played him a ton. And then, uh, you know, the, uh, all the players who are along on those top lines as well. And, you know, it, right now, it's hard to think of anyone who 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 who's playing really well. Like who 
who's doing who's doing well right now? I think Quinn Hughes is still is still trying. Uh, but man, it's 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 hard to find guys right now who are going. So there's lots of candidates, but in the end, it, it is kind of one of the absurd things of hockey that whenever a team loses, they take somebody out of the bottom of the lineup and put somebody else in the bottom of the lineup. But it's the guys at the top of your lineup who decide whether you win or lose. Absolutely, Ian. And Ian, uh, we're always winners when you're on the post game show here. Fantastic contributions as always. And look forward to seeing you in person again. It's been in f- far, far f- too few and too far in between. And we get to chat again in person on Saturday when the Canucks take on the Boston Bruins. Well, I'll look forward to that. Save me some of that uh, big wheel, big time gondola, media gondola food that you guys get <laughs> that we don't get on the other side. You know, the, the, the ink-stained wretches are just handed popcorn, but you guys get pizza and burgers Well, some, sandwiches. sometimes, uh, unless, you know, Jack Edwards is going to eat all of it or something, so we'll see. <laughs> uh, does he eat a lot? I don't know. I no. haven't seen him. I'm even sure if he travels with the team anymore, but, you know, we'll see. We'll, uh, find out. we'll find out on Saturday. But, Ian, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Are you heading back home tonight? No, I'm uh, staying over tonight. I wasn't sure if the team was practicing tomorrow or not, so I'll get a good night's sleep. And if they're practicing, it'll be a little bit of a shorter sleep because I'll be, I'll be there tomorrow at noon in Vancouver. Well, hopefully you get to rest a bit more than you're ho- than uh, expected, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in person on Saturday. I'll look forward to that too, guys. And nice early start. Lots of time. Oh, yeah, yeah. plenty lots of time to write. Lots of time to talk. And we get to get home before it's too late, too, so it's fantastic. Hey, Ian, what's the most you ever lost on a coin toss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not the same scene without without the uh, the peanuts wrapper. Yes. Slowly, agonizingly unfurling. Uh, this coin has been traveling since 1950. I can't remember what he said. 1958. Yeah, you were pretty close. You're close. You're 1958. Yeah, now it's 1973, and it's come here for this. So. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Ian. Fantastic stuff. We look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca as well. Uh, I will look forward to seeing you guys in person. Right. I feel I, I want to go read all the wild horses right now, or all the I can't remember it. I think I got the title wrong. All the pretty horses. All the pretty horses. Yeah, Cor- Cormac McCarthy, part of the great Western modern Western trilogy. Go oh. read it. Go read it. That's your homework assignment. All right. Well, I'll put it down on, on the to-do list with the other books I have to read. Thanks, Ian. <laughs> I know you read, Seth. I do. I'm I, not I, sure. Okay. I do my I best. do, too. Bick does, too. Yeah. All right. I was going <laughs> yeah. to give you a shot there, Bick. No, that's I fine. I, I strained myself. Yeah. But you knew it was coming, so you beat me to it. I, so. I knew where you were going. It's fine. Right. You got it. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. Have a good night, Ian. Yeah. You got it. Uh, that's Ian McIntyre. <laughs> Uh, and, and always a presentation of Avenue Machinery. You can check him out at DLEAMC.com. And uh, before we get out, Bick, you're back on the People Show tomorrow, 3 to 4. Mm-hmm. Professionaling right. at 3.30. Looking forward to it. I'm Satyar Shaw, back at it with Dan Richo tomorrow, 4 to 6. It's Mailback Friday, plus Yannick Hansen is going to join us. Special thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory producing the show and all of you for listening, participating. And if we didn't get to your text messages, apologize. We will do our best to get to as many as we can next time. But thank you for listening, participating, and we'll look forward to chatting with you again the next time on the Home of Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. And this show is presented by the number five orange of Vancouver legend. They've got sports, too.